0: I'll begin by saying, whenever we have groups of people gathering together, whether local or whatever, we have people problems. You'd be amazed how many scriptures there are in the New Testament, in particular, even in the Old for that matter, that give us instruction on getting along with people. So, my subject today is on getting along. Now, usually when there's a misunderstanding and people have hard feelings toward one another and problems begin to develop, there's a number of rules and factors being violated. Now, I'm not saying up here because I'm giving this sermon that I am absolutely flawless in all of these these guidelines and rules because they all represent something contrary to human nature. And we all have a good dose of human nature And we don't practice these things fully. But what I want to emphasize in this sermon today is that if we know these things, we can become aware of them. And then once we have these things happen to us one way or the other, we analyze it. Maybe we can make some changes. First of all, let me say this. Whenever a problem arises, number one, facts are all important. Facts. How many times have people become upset, rancored over something, because they don't have the facts? They hear a little bit, they jump to a conclusion, and then in their minds, that's it. That's just an endless thing that goes on. And when people do that, here's a problem. Now, there are a number of passages that emphasize the necessity of getting all the facts, but you know what the problem is? I'll get down here a little bit later on here. I don't want to jump the gun. But you know, if we we start having strong emotions about things, it blinds us to the facts. Let's know to Proverbs 18, verse 15. And you know, as I've said before, I don't know of a single book in the Bible that has more instruction on how to avoid all kinds of problems in life than the book of Proverbs. Practical problems. And you don't need to necessarily read it in the King James Version because the King James Version is difficult to understand for a lot of people. There's a new lot of new modern versions that make a lot of these very plain. You couldn't go wrong, frankly, in sitting down and going through the book of Proverbs with your children. You couldn't go wrong on that. But you could if you never take the time to teach them. Proverbs 18, verse 15. Here's a wise man. The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Now, what do we generally consider knowledge to be? I'm going to give a sermon here before too long on this whole thing of of understanding. But we usually regard knowledge as facts. If you have a lot of knowledge, you have a lot of facts. So what it's saying here is, and there's two other factors that are very important with that, that's wisdom and understanding, but we're not dealing with those today, we're just talking about the acquisition of facts. So, as we read here, the ear of the wise seeks knowledge, he seeks the facts. So that's an important principle. Now if you go back a little further in time to the time of Job and remember the book of Job is the oldest single book in the Bible. And Job the Bible says if these three men were in it Noah, Job and Daniel they should spare but their own lives they should save but their own lives so one of the three most righteous men in the Bible is Job. And what is what does Job say here in Job 29 In verse number 16, I was a father to the poor. I searched out the case that I did not know. He didn't have the facts, so he searched it out first. Very important. So if we jump to conclusions without the facts, then we uh, we can sure make a mistake. And uh, we have all done that, and I certainly have, and I think probably most of you have at one time or another. Proverbs 18, verse 17. Proverbs 18, verse 17. Here's what goes on, see. The first one to plead his cause seems right. So if you hear somebody give his side of the story and you listen to him, he you think he's absolutely right. until his neighbor comes and examines him. Ah, here's the other side. And I learned years ago, whenever there's a big problem that arises, there's plenty of fault to go around on both sides, and the truth is probably about halfway in the middle. So you see, it is important to consider all the facts. James chapter 1, And uh, verse number 19. James 1 verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. One of the things that a lot of us have to fight is a Jumping to conclusions and getting upset very rapidly. Once that happens, the facts go out the window. I can just tell you privately, the thing that I would long to be able to accomplish in life is to never get upset and hot-headed about things. If I could be cool and calm and analyze it all carefully and never do that, oh, I'd be delighted. I'd regard myself as really having made progress and overcoming. Will I ever see that day? I doubt it. I hope so, but I doubt it. Maybe I'll get a good bit of it out of the way, but I don't think I'll conquer the whole thing with the nature that I've got. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse number 9. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry. So you hear some kind of a situation, you hear what somebody's done, or you see what somebody's done, and then you jump to the wrong conclusion, you get all upset about it that happened to all of you? Any of you? Of course it has. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. That's right. And let's go back to Proverbs 14 and verse number 17. And here we read, a quick-tempered man... Acts foolishly. Oh, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? I'll never forget this incident that happened to me on a baptizing tour years ago down in the South. And we had about 20 people there we were talking to about baptism, and there was an elderly man down at the end of the table, and he just kept smirking at me the whole time. I was standing up talking. The more he smirked, the stronger I got. And uh, by the time I was done with uh, talking to everybody, I wasn't in the best mood. And he came up afterwards and he looked at me and he said, Son, that was the best, most heartwarming thing I ever heard in my life. Man, I could have crawled in a hole. That's what happens when you assume. You don't get the facts. So it just shows you, facts are all important. So just remember, any time a People problem arises. One of the most important things is to get the facts. Don't get upset and angry and jump to conclusions and get defensive. That's what people always do. The first thing to do is get defensive. Once you get that way, you can forget about the facts. All right, now the next thing. We're dealing with people problems. Use common sense and good manners. Use common sense and good manners. And I would say one of the first questions you ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it that important? You know, you take a little child, you know, you've got two or three of them, and they're squabbling over a toy. To them, that is the most important thing in their life. There's nothing more important than that moment. Who's going to get that toy? Isn't that right? Now, how important is it? I suppose... When we consider what we're like as human beings, God probably looks on us in the same way. Look at those silly children down there squabbling over their little toys. So that's, that's that's another thing. So as I say here, use common sense. Now to James chapter 1. You know when we're talking about good manners and common sense, one of the biggest problems is controlling the tongue, isn't it? You know, um, there's a proverb back there. It talks about good speech, and it's like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Well put, well placed. And that's good manners. Now that comes, of course, with experience, education, and and trying to cultivate tact and being aware of that. Now, as we read here, James one twenty six. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you seem to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, see, that's a major problem, isn't it? Does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. So that's the thing. That's the thing. Let's go back to some of the Proverbs now, once again. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 2. Proverbs 15, verse 2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. You ought to hear some of these people. I don't even like to listen to it, frankly, because you'll get these talk shows, and uh, then they'll, anytime they got, they got two people up there, and I mean, you know, I can pretty well distinguish idiocy when I hear it. And uh, here we got somebody up there on the conservative side talking. They're making good sense. Then they let this liberal talk. And you know what I do? Hit the mute button. I can't take it. Because it's exactly what you're to read here. The mouth of fools pours out foolishness. And that's what happens in a lot of these cases. It's pretty sad what condition we're in in, the, in this nation today. Proverbs 12, verse number 18. There's one who speaks like the piercings of the sword. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. You know, I mentioned somewhere in the Bible, I forget exactly where it says, they have a, I'm paraphrasing it as I recall, they have tongues like an asp. Just like an asp. Now, are you going to have people problems? If you have a tongue like an ass when you can't control what you say, and you say it sharply and very critically, can you accomplish anything that way? What are you going to do? Are you going to solve any problems that way? And let's go to Colossians 4, verse number 6. Colossians 4, verse number 6. And Paul said, Let your speech always be with grace. That is graciousness. Season with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Uh, that's why the Bible says wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And if you ask yourself the question, here, here's the issue that comes up how important is it anyway? Liable to be, You know, the last time you got an argument with your wife, can you remember what it was about? Most of the time you can't. Maybe once in a while you can. If you hold a grudge and you think about it and it becomes a, a sore spot, a burn in the saddle, maybe you can. But, but normally, a lot of times when you have a disagreement, how long do you remember it? How important was it then? Proverbs 19, verse 11. Proverbs 19, verse 11. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. He's discreet and he's got good sense. Doesn't mean he doesn't get angry, but he's slow to it. He doesn't just fly off the handle immediately. And his glory is to overlook a transgression. Overlook it. Don't make a big deal about it. If, it's, if it if isn't some kind of a major thing, and uh, if it becomes uh, something that just goes on continually, sure, you may need to say something that affects you personally. But you better be careful how you say it. I was down in Nashville one time playing handball on a handball court. And you had to sign up uh, for a given hour and you had to be there be within 10 minutes of the time you signed up or you lost the court. So I went into the court, and I still have about five minutes to go. And this guy in there, he said, I'm not giving up this court. Get out of here. He refused to give it up. So I thought, well, I'll go down and see the manager. So I went down, and the manager came up there, and he crawled in the court. He didn't say a word. He just looked at the guy. We were all standing around. He was just staring at that guy. And I couldn't believe what happened. The guy just kind of wilted. And he just kind of snuck on out the door and got out of there. He didn't say a single word to him. He didn't rail at him. He didn't order him out or anything. And the guy just folded up and left. I thought that was remarkable the way that was done. I don't know if that worked with everybody, but it sure worked with that fellow. And it solved the problem very quickly. Proverbs 17 Well, let's see, did I get 1911 here? Yeah, Proverbs 17, verse 14. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before quarrel starts. That's the time to back off. Don't let it get out of hand. Back off before it does. You'd be amazed how many people are killed, maimed, injured, shot, and this kind of thing, because somehow a little argument started, and it it just built up into a big volcano. And I bet the person sitting in jail now wishes he'd had some sense. All right, point number three. In getting along with people, we need to be good listeners good listeners. Now, if you watch some of these talk shows, it gets kind of disgusting. The reason they do it, of course, is they're they're within a certain time limit, and they're allotted so many minutes per person they talk to, and if they get some money that starts going on and on, they'll just cut him off and ask something else and change the subject, the guy never gets to complete what he's saying. Probably because he doesn't realize he's got to say it in ten words or less. It's like I used to tell my older boy who was doing computer work for me, he'd start to say something, I'd say, wait a second, I want in 25 words or less. Well, uh, I sit there and look at C-SPAN, and here's this fellow up there, he's moderating, and somebody comes on the air, and they start talking to him, and I mean they just drone on and on for five minutes or so before they get the question done, and the guy just sits and listens to him patiently. I have to marvel how they can do that because a lot of people just can't get to the point. I'll tell you what they're like a lot of people. The Great Pyramid was built faster. The point of the Great Pyramid was built faster than some of those people can come to the point. And yet they sit there and tolerate them. Well, that's good, but I guess if your time is very precious and limited, you can't do that. But being a good listener is important. Proverbs 10, verse number 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Just remember that. But he who restrains his lips is wise. That's right. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. So it is important to be a good listener and uh, to be careful with what we say. Now, Proverbs seventeen twenty seven: he who has knowledge spares his words. Usually somebody that doesn't have knowledge is just trying to uh, blow up a lot of smoke and uh, confuse a person with everything he says rather than just really having the facts. Being succinct about him. Proverbs 18, verse 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and a shame to him. Any of you have been guilty of that? I have. I'll be the first to admit it. I'll tell you one thing I'm not open to. I'm absolutely closed-minded, completely on it. And that is when somebody brings up something that's contrary to church doctrine. Now maybe in some cases it's necessary to answer it, but by the same token, I'm not going to, you're not going to change my mind any. Because I'm here because I believe that was a revelation from God. So, that's why we read here. He whose answer is a matter before he hears it, it is a falling ashamed. shame. That goes back to getting the facts, doesn't it? And Proverbs 13, verse 3. My wife used to tell me all the time, she says, well, I guess you realize that you were preaching to yourself in that sermon. And I say, I know it. We all have a human nature, don't we? Proverbs 13, verse 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. So that's why it is important, folks, to realize the importance of being a good listener. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse number 3. Even a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom, and he shows everyone that he is a fool. I had the displeasure one time of uh, making the mistake of going fishing with a guy one time in California. We had to drive an hour or two to get where we were going fishing, and all the way there it was just talk, 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 talk. He never quit. And I was glad to get out of the car and start fishing when we started home all the way. Just talk, 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 talk. It just went on endlessly. Well, it would have done him good to have read this scripture. Because, you know, sometimes it's good to be quiet and to think a little bit. All right, the next point. Try to put yourself in the other person's place may be hard to do, but try to do it. And uh, if one who does that is likely to be a little bit more understanding than someone who never thinks beyond himself. James 3, verse number 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. And it uses the word teachers here, and it has masters in the authorized version knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment so if you find somebody that knows all the answer and he goes around correcting people and he set himself up as an authority he's asking for trouble don't try to do it because we all stumble in many things and you'll see other people doing this and you'll do it yourself If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Now the day that we can control our tongues perfectly, we will be able to control the whole body. So what's that saying about the tongue? So if you see somebody that says something or does something that offends you, think about that. Because we all have that problem. Paul put it this way in romans the second chapter in romans chapter 2 and verse number 21 you therefore who teach another do you not teach yourself you who preach that a man should not steal do you steal you who say do not commit adultery do you commit adultery You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? That is to say, they would go in and take the idols probably to sell them. So you see, we have to realize that sometimes we're not quite as lily white as we may think we are. I've seen people get upset about a particular issue somebody else is doing, and they may not be doing that exact same thing, but they're doing something else that's very just about as bad. They don't see that. They can see the other people, but they can't see it in themselves. Now, here's a good example of what I'm talking about. Let's go back here to Matthew 18. Here's a man who could not seem to grasp this simple principle of putting himself in someone else's place. We read here in Matthew 18, beginning in verse 23. There was a certain uh, king who wanted to settle accounts to his servants. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. He wants to settle these accounts. Time to divvy up. And uh, rubber now meets the road, and the facts are going to be made known. This is it. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, or the living Bible says 10 million dollars. I don't know if that's accurate, but uh, that kind of gives you comparison here. But he was not able to pay. His master commanded him to be he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Now, that was being magnanimous, wasn't it? But that fellow servant went out, found one of his fellow servants who'd owed, who owed him a hundred denarii, or the living Bible says $2,000. So if those are accurate, it's the difference between $10 $2,000. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. But he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. And they came and told their master all that had been done. Pretty good, isn't it? Very vivid account, isn't it? This is an example of man who refused to put himself in the place of the other person. Luke 6.31 Luke 6.31 Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. So that's what Jesus admonished. That's putting yourself in the other person's place. And in Romans 13, verse number 8, O no man anything but to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. That's the summary of it. That certainly is the last six commandments. The first four show us how to love God. So that's the very, very important rule here of putting yourself in the other person's other person's place. Now next. Learn to give the benefit of the doubt. If you don't have the facts. You don't know. Don't jump to conclusions. Give the other person the benefit of the doubt. You'd want that for you, wouldn't you? If you're being misjudged. Notice Titus 3. And verse number 3. Titus 3, verse 3. For we ourselves also were once foolish. Disobedient. Disobedient. The seed. It's the way the world is, isn't it? Serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Weren't we all that way at one time? You know, you think about Jonah when he went up to Nineveh and he didn't want to go. Because he knew that Nineveh, he knew the prophecies well enough, to knew that the Assyrians were going to attack and destroy Israel. And when God commissioned him to go up there and preach to them, he ran because if they repented, he knew God wouldn't do it. That was his real motive. He could say he was a real patriot. And then when those people repented, well, he was upset over the gourd thing, but when they repented, what did God have to tell him? He said, I was merciful to you, wasn't I? I gave you the shade when you wanted it. Now, don't I have the right to spare, what was it, 150,000 people that don't know their right hand from their left? I'll tell you, the knowledge that God has given us, brethren, is absolutely stupendous. I mean, how many people in the world know it? How do we take it? Treat it lightly? Or do we realize the scope of it? And I can tell you, the people out here in this world, they don't know their right hand from their left. Sure, they're good people. Many of them, as far as the way society goes. there's There's a law of God they don't understand. We do. Romans 3, verse 9. Romans 3, verse 9. What then, are we any better than they? See, he's comparing uh, Jews with the Gentiles. Are we any better than them? For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. We were all under it one time, weren't we? Well, unless God calls somebody and opens their mind, how are they going to understand it? So you see, it is important that we recognize some of these principles. James 2, verse 13. Now, um, I don't know if, if that rain coming down on the roof can be heard by the, by the system. Um, we have the the uh, taping going on, and it's raining pretty hard outside. So if you hear some kind of a background noise, you'll know that's what it is. In uh, um, James and verse 13 James 2 and verse 21 I mean excuse me was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son on the altar do you see then that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect that's what we have to have is works, don't we? What if we just profess and then there's, there's no works being done? So you see, it is important that we recognize it. And uh, when we go back and consider this thing of giving others a benefit of the doubt, let's notice verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So keep that in mind. We're talking about people problems. Now I want to make one distinction here. I'm not talking about sin, blatant sin. I'll come to that in a moment. But we do need to realize that a lot of things that we perceive or take to be evil and wrong in God's eyes, we're probably guilty of similar things in the same way. Luke 17, verse 3. Luke 17, verse 3. See, here's what it says Take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you. Now, don't take some little remark necessarily as sin. Uh, don't take bad manners necessarily as sin. Don't necessarily take ref- effrontery as sin. This says sin. You sinned against you in some manner. All right, rebuke him. We have a duty to do that. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, if you forgive somebody, do you hold a grudge? Are you going to go on after that and just watch him like a hawk and wait for the next time? Not if you forgive him. And it even goes on to say here, And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now that may be hard to do for some people, isn't it? So let's recognize that giving the benefit of the doubt, often people do things without thinking, and because we are human beings and self-centered and we always seem to think of self-first, that's why we tend to be offensive and do things that upset, upset other people. But we realize we have the same problems ourselves. They have the same problems themselves. And uh, if we know that, then we can try to be a little bit more understanding. Galatians 6, verse number 3. Consider this, see, when it comes to the matter of getting along with people... For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. We're all nothing, aren't we? What do we amount to? You want to consider us with the accomplished in this world, we're nothing. And if we can recognize that, then we won't be so high and mighty when we get offended over something. All right, my last point. Cultivate love and consideration. Love and consideration. Cultivate it. Doesn't come naturally to many of us, does it? We are essentially a product of our background, our experiences and our environment. Some people would have us believe today that some of the heinous sins being done in this world today are inherited in our genetic and nature, which is pure poppycock. Because most of it has to do with the way we were reared, what we were not taught, what we were not told, the environment we have been in, with whom we have associated, and all these kind of things add up and make us what we are. So we often fail to really cultivate a love and an understanding for others because it depends on our background. Now in Matthew 22, verse number 39, Matthew 22, verse number 39, Jesus gave the two great parts of the law because he was asked that question. And he pointed out, it's actually made up of two sections. It's one great law, but it's made up of two sections. Love to God and love to fellow man. And the love to fellow man is is defined and explained by the last six commandments. And he says here, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, he doesn't say you have to love your neighbor more than yourself. As yourself. So if you're very considerate towards yourself, you ought to be that way towards your neighbor. 1 Peter 4.8 1 Peter 4, eight. Sometimes, you know, we really get into these trials in life, don't we? Like having your neighbors from hell move in next to you. Boy, do I know that. And I talked to him two or three times, you know, as kindly and nice as I could. And I mean, it just went like water over his duck's back. I didn't talk so kindly the next time. They were defiant. I called the police. And the police took care of it. But I'll tell you what the police asked me. They said, will you come down and file against them? And I said, yes, I will. Well, if I'd have said no, they probably wouldn't have done anything. Well, when the police called him up, that put a stop to it. So sometimes you do have to take measures like that. But certainly you ought to not start out that way, because that's the wrong way to start out. Let's notice here 1 Peter 4, verse number 8. Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. A multitude of sins. But you know something? What kind of love does God manifest toward man? You know, He gave His Son to die for men, didn't He? But I can tell you this God is a God of tough love. Tough love. He's not going to tolerate sin. that goes on and on. He gives every chance for a man to do something and make something of himself and to grow and he's very patient and he grants the time. But the time of judgment is coming. It's tough love. That's what we better understand. Some people have a perverted notion that there is no such thing as, as tough love that God doesn't advocate tough love. He certainly does. Now, I tell you, anybody who makes that remark doesn't understand anything about the scriptures or how God works, how God operates. Read the Old Testament. It's full of it. Do you think Christ is just going to go on and on forever and just let people continue their lifestyles? You know what he said? He said, you're going to be judged by the words that I've spoken. That's both Old and New Testament. So we better recognize that. So as we read here, Above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Indeed it does. But the fact is that if someone is just really doing something blatant, and contrary to what the Bible teaches, steps have to be taken. I'm not talking about that in people problems unless, as Jesus said, if your brother sins against you. I'm just talking about manners and uh, maybe customs and offenses and things of that nature. Kind of reminds you of, who was it, uh, Rebecca or, uh, I think it was Rebecca or whatever, wife of one of the patriarchs down the line. Um, I guess it was Esau had married these Gentile women and it says there in the Bible they were just an absolute, I'm paraphrasing it, they just were a, a great burden for it to have to bear and put up with them. Well, you know, there's a reason cultures are better off to be separate than together. These, well, these one-worlders have the notion that we, we have to have everybody mixed together in one great big happy melting pot. It isn't going to happen. 1 Corinthians five, one. It is actually reported there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles that a man should have his father's wife. And most of the commentators uh, think and it's probably true this was his stepmother. Anyway, here's the point I'm getting at. He said, you haven't done anything about it. You should have taken him away because you're puffed up and you have not rather mourned that he who's done this deed might be taken away from you. Your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens a whole lump? See, sin, blatant sin cannot be tolerated. Now, are people going to be carrying out secret sins in their lives? Sure they are. But I'll tell you what Paul said. He said, the sacred things that are hidden will be brought to light. And even man's good deeds, if they're not known, will also be brought to light. And verse number eleven. Here's what this is an example I'm talking about. We don't make exceptions for blatant sin. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. No, not even to eat with such a person. Pretty strong language, isn't it? There has to be a line drawn. So that's the difference between the two between the two categories that's why we read here in romans 14 verse 1 receive one who's weak in the faith he doesn't have a bad attitude he's not out sinning and practicing sin he just doesn't understand everything at this point all right but not to disputes over doubtful things i'm not talking about people who come in and uh they're judgmental and they want to argue and all that kind of thing. That's a different matter altogether. I'm talking about someone who's who's open-minded and willing to learn, but has a lot to learn. You don't, uh, you don't start picking at them because they don't have the understanding you do at this point. And Colossians 3, verse number 13. You see, put on these characteristics he says here in verse 12 tender mercies kindness humility meekness long suffering bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone have a complaint against another even as christ forgave you so you also must do so you know you you know around carrying a grudge and uh, and have it in for this one have it in for that one that's not living christianity That's just letting human nature dominate. Proverbs 10.2 Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 2 Treasures of wickedness profit nothing but righteousness delivers from death. Righteousness, right doing, obeying God's commandments and God's law and then putting these, these things to practice and remembering this as we read in verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin, all sins. So let me just close in summarizing this Whenever we get with groups of people, we have different people and different backgrounds and different personalities and different ages and different sexes, and maybe in some cases different races, we have people problems. So my sermon today is on getting along. Facts are all important. Use common sense and good manners and ask yourself, is the price going to be worth it? Be a good listener, put yourself in the other person's place, and give the benefit of the doubt, and cultivate love and consideration for other people. Now, if we can put these things to practice, then we can certainly have a situation that is commensurate with what the New Testament teaches and requires of us.